The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. Number 29, The Green Man Ultra, The Green Boy, 29th of September 2018. I will blame Ira Rainey for this one. After all, he is the poster boy for the event after writing about it in his book, Fat Man to Green Man, charting his journey from obesity to ultra running. This is part of the whole stepping stones idea for me. Doubling distance will only get you so far, literally. Doubling distances on mud add an extra element of difficulty, especially when you leave a shoe in the quagmire. There are mountains, and then there is self-navigation. I had never been to Bristol before I joined 50 fellow green boy runners on the platform at Bristol Temple Mead Station for the only train to Canesham that would get us to the start of the postponed race on time. Yes, this was the race that I was supposed to run a week after uh, Trans Grand Canaria, but thanks to the snow in the UK, it was pushed back to September. And I didn't have a clue. I really didn't have a clue of the geography of any of the area, the town centre in Bristol, let alone the route that edges the city limits for 45 miles for the green man and 30 for the green boy. I did have a plan, though. As you know, I'm a planner. I had printed off all the maps, as is mandatory, and I clipped a uh, compass to my hydration pack. There were pacers known as Time Lords, running the route in 10 hours, 11 hours and 12 hours. And you can stick with them from the Start Stroke Race HQ at a school in the southwest of the city. There were also people who run the race in both its winter, anti-clockwise, and summer, clockwise forms and know the route forwards and backwards, again literally. Although none of this was my plan. My plan was far more simple than that. To get through my first self-navigation race, I downloaded the GPX file from the Green Man website and loaded it into the Ordnance Survey Map application on my iPhone. I also had a portable USB charger that would, that would allow it to last the full nine hours of the race. Simple. And it was needed. You start in a pub car park in Canesham, uh, occasionally pausing your chatting and race prep to clap runners coming through who were running the full event. They had already run 15 miles at this point and started a couple of hours earlier. You run out and into the first field before crowding a gate into the next. There are plenty of runners around, so I followed them until... Another, another field and a road crossing and then a path alongside the railway and then a further field in which I found myself with just two other guys who were struggling with the GPS device that they'd hired from the race organiser that comes preloaded with the route. No one else was around. We were already lost. But according to plan, I pulled out my phone brought up the battery zapping application and zoomed in to find that of the three snaking paths going through the field, the one to the right led us back to the race route. 
We were not a million miles away. We had just taken the wrong path by a row of cottages, running in front of them rather than behind, and that had caused the whole issue. It would not be the only time I got lost that day. The worst point was in a field, after a field, after another field. I'd entered the third field and stopped at a bramble hedge that stood between me and getting to the obvious path. I checked the OS Maps app once more and I was a matter of metres from where I needed to be. Unfortunately, I needed to be the other side of a hedge of thorns. It took a while for me to realise I had to backtrack into the field before this and exit at the very far corner, something I didn't do, of course, until I tried to force myself through the bramble hedge and cut my arms and legs to shreds. For all intents and purposes, I looked like I'd gone through a blender. Other than getting lost, and it had now happened twice, and would happen twice more, it was a lovely run. If the race had gone ahead in March as planned, it would have been muddy and cold and rainy. We would be running into the darkness for the last few hours, increasing the chances of getting lost and demanding a head torch be used. Thanks to the snowstorms of March and April, the September event was a joy. The ground was dry underfoot, baked by a long summer, and so I could wear comfortable road shoes rather than rigid trail shoes. We would be finishing in daylight and get to see the green man himself, a statue in the grounds of the stately home by the finish, in all his glory. There were fields of horses and cows, numerous underpasses, including those under the motorway. We ran alongside rivers and crossed over bridges, through little towns on the outskirts of Bristol and along the Dramway, the Frome Valley Way, the Community Forest Path and the Bristol Bath Railway Path. And I ran them with Bob. Bob is a local legend. He knew the route like the back of his old varicose hand and was happy to run walk the last five miles with a newbie like me as we came home, came upon the 11-hour pacer at what was the final checkpoint and had a refreshing cup of tea. He led me through an industrial park and then the city limits, by a tower and a sightseeing vantage point overlooking the famous Clifton Suspension Bridge. After crossing it, we climbed to Ashton Court, the stately home, turned sharply to the left, something that I would remember at later runnings of the race, and I got to photograph the green man. And from there, the finish was easy, downhill from the green man to a car park, then downhill from there to the playing fields of the school. Bob said that it was okay if I wanted to go ahead and run to the finish, but given that the old man had helped me through what be, would be my first self-navigation ultra, I jogged alongside him and let him go over the line first. After all, it did seem like the right thing to do. Next up... Can't Stop the Running 2.